0: And welcome decode your burnout fans to another episode with me dr sharon grossman and today i am so excited to have the fabulous judith Gaton. she's a stylist master certified life coach author and former lawyer through her signature course style Masterclass, she teaches her clients that thought work is the key to a lasting makeover through confidence coaching and mindset work She helps her clients to see that they can dress and love the body they are in right now. When style and confidence are dialed in, women can go do the work they were created to do in the world. Her ultimate style philosophy, confident women build legacies. And Judith is here to debunk the myths of what it takes to be stylish. Judith, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone out there. Hello, listeners. <laughs> well,
0: it's not every day that we talk about being stylish and think about the relationship between that and stress or burnout. And so I thought this is an actually quite interesting, new angle to look at. And um, given that you're, I mean, you've had this history as a lawyer, so I'm sure you can speak to some of the stress and burnout. Stuff that happens in that world. But how did you end up here? How did you end up going from a lawyer to a stylist and a coach?
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a fun journey. Um, I actually started out as a design major, a fashion design major. That's what I went to college for. And I got some interesting critiquing feedback that was meant well, but was, you know, really hard in terms of my ego at 20 something. So then my family was like, hey, you're really smart, which I think so many people, particularly doctors, right? You have passion in other areas, but then people are like, you're really smart. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You should get a real job, a real profession, like be a doctor or a lawyer, as if that's somehow easier, which is its own set of what? Um, So then I decided to become a lawyer and i practiced for 11 years wow and then i found coaching as sort of a cynic i thought it was ridiculous i had a client who decided she was going to become a life coach so i had to research it to try and convince her that this was a terrible idea mm. and that she should stick to her job as a <laughs> yeah this is as a psychologist or actually um <laughs> she had a phd and i was like what are you doing you can't give that up to become a life coach so i found life coaching cynically i was like this is BS, um, and something made up, and woo, and I have to go find out more about this so I can have a conversation with her about why this is ridiculous, um, and then I found out that your thoughts create your feelings, and I was like, that's not, that can't, wait, what? <laughs> I'm running around a courthouse asking my colleagues, does this sound right to you? Like what philosopher could we use to debunk this? Like, is is it gonna be Aristotle or like Socrates? Are they gonna be able to like show us how this is not the way? And everybody was like, no, that kind of tracks. Your thoughts create your feelings, this makes sense. And then I was like, okay, hold on, wait. (laughs) And I, I you know, found my coach and mentors. I found other coach mentors who, you know, Carl Lone is one of them. I just adore her. She was Harvard trained with like, all the things, and decided to give it up, quote unquote, to become a life coach. And I thought, okay, I guess this is something people do. And I coached with her, and she was, she said something that was really powerful at the time, and it still like reverberates. Was you know we could just make things up and do them, like that's how things get done in the world. Like you decide you want to go do a thing, and then you you make it up and you go do it. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I kind of created this beautiful brain baby where I get to style really incredibly intelligent, smart women while also coaching them on their brains and their confidence. So they literally show up differently. They're more of themselves by the end of our time working together, but they're allowing themselves to be themselves, which I think is the part that, at least for the professional women I coach, that seems to be, there's like this weird dividing line like they know they could, but like, are they allowed? Is like this okay? And like teaching them to give themselves permission and to develop that relationship with themselves. Like that's where the magic comes in. And that just is born of all of my favorite things and my favorite humans all gathered in one place. Wow.
0: I just love that story for so many reasons. (laughs) like backtrack in my brain, but oh my God. So the idea of somebody going into a profession because other people tell them that they should or that they'd be good at it or that it would help them lead an easier life is such a common phenomenon and that's why i think we're seeing so many people shuffling right now and realizing hey i'm not happy here i i spent all these years getting here and sometimes you know we have this voice in our head that tells us well you really should now stick with it because you've spent all this time and money getting to this place right i actually had a session this morning with a client who said you know i took up a spot at a residency doing this training and she burned out and had to drop out for a bit and so now she's feeling guilty about not doing that work and it's like well who said that you have to do things in this way, right? And who said that just because you had the training, you have to go through with it, or, in your case, that you've done this work and you you're doing the work, but maybe it's not forever. And maybe it wasn't ever really meant to be, or maybe it was meant to be for a little while. And now you shift and pivot and do something else, right? So I love that you bring this up and you give people permission to look at, is this really for me? And if not, I can just like make something up and go with that and there's so many people now starting businesses or even just like side gigs that this is such a beautiful thing that we're seeing in the world
1: yeah and i i mean and i hear this i took that summer fellowship i took that summer internship spot i you know i took that residency and and I think too, with, uh, particularly, I think um, the intersection of like, depending on what generation you are, if you're not, you know, born here and you're second generation, there's also some guilt that gets passed on of like, well, we were all counting on you to yes. sort of be the one. Yes. You were going to be the one that got the doctoral degree. You were going to be the one who we can all say, well, my so-and-so is a doctor, right? Or my daughter is a lawyer. And there's a the pressure we put on ourselves, but then there is some familial expectations, societal expectations when you get the moniker doctor, right? So part of it is giving yourself permission to Like just play with the idea. And here's the thing, folks, you don't have to make this big change overnight. I did not make a big change overnight. This was years of transitioning. So you hear my story and you might think I went and quit the next day. That's not what happened. No, I worked full time as a partner in my law firm, kicking ass as a lawyer. Didn't mean I was bad as an attorney or that I hated my colleagues. I love my colleagues. Like they... I cried when I left because I knew I was going to miss them. I miss the interactions with my judges. Like there were things that I still miss and I didn't do it overnight. So when you hear stories like this, what I don't want you to think is, oh my God, now there's new pressure to like quit and run away. Like, no, no. Just play with the possibility of there could be something different and just allow yourself even the the imaginary brain space to go play with that before you make any move. Like, let that be delicious and fun. (laughs) Like, let that be the place your mind wanders freely. And then at some point you can decide whether you're gonna take action steps. But for some of you who are so committed to like, so and so is counting on me, or I took a spot and there's so much guilt, or I have all these loans, like. Yes, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast, right? Like, how am I gonna replace my, game? right? Like, ooh, girl, we we could just play in the possibility for a little while.
0: Yeah. So if you're listening to this, I think the takeaway here is that if you've never really considered doing something else, but now you're hearing Judah's story and it's sparking something inside of you, just think about it as she's planting a seed. Yeah. And that seed takes time and a lot of nourishment before it grows into something. So maybe you come back and listen to this episode again. Or maybe you go find Judith and work with her. But (laughs) right. But like the idea is there and let it kind of ferment a little bit. Let it kind of just soak up the nutrients and see where it takes you.
1: Yeah, especially if you're, you know, recovering from burnout or you're just realizing you are burnt out and that's how you made your way to this podcast, like jumping into the new next thing isn't going to quote unquote solve for that. Exactly.
0: Like, oh, that's so. We got to
1: give you a lot more grace than you've been giving yourself, and that's the way forward.
0: Like, yeah. So I'm glad that. you said that because this client that I mentioned, she is now dealing with that. This is what I'm doing right now is not the vision I had for myself when I went into this whole path, right? And and I was like, but hey, what what was that vision? Number one, right? And where did that come from? And it's very much like you were saying, it, it came from our conditioning and like all these expectations and how we kind of grew up and were programmed to show up in a certain way. And so we maybe uh, pursue a career that isn't the right fit. And all of a sudden we have this burnout, which is our reset. And we start to look at things and we're like, well, maybe even though what I'm doing now is different from what I thought I'd be doing, maybe that's not a bad thing yeah right and what's happened for her at least is that she was able to tap into her values for the first time as opposed to like all the expectations and said you know what i actually don't even want those things anymore right and i think for some people it's like a total makeover and i think for other people maybe it's just about a step in the right direction maybe it's that you take it down a notch as you're recovering from your burnout and just dip your toes in the water and take it slowly. So maybe it's like working part-time or doing some sort of a related thing that uses your skills. Or as you mentioned, Judith, maybe completely reinventing yourself is something that you get to explore. So so this is wonderful talking about all this stuff, but I'd love to get into the stylish piece of it and the confidence yeah. piece of it. So tell us a little bit, um, you know, we're talking about, people who maybe want to be stylish, or I'm sure you've come across this a lot. Women who are professionals who never really had any sort of training, they've never worked with a stylist. And they're like, I'm just kind of winging it. I don't really know what I'm doing. I kind of like certain things. I don't like other things. But like, I don't even know if that's stylish or not stylish. What are some of the biggest myths about what it takes to be stylish?
1: Yeah, I <laughs> I think first that like style gets conflated with fashion. And I think that's part of like one thing we have to debunk and kind of define our terms <laughs> very loyally. That's we have to define our terms. Um, but really, it helps to just start with like the foundation of what we mean by these things
0: yes. and
1: how maybe the definition you have is part of the mythos and like this whole sort of mountain that becomes style as opposed to this fun thing that you can experiment with. So, fashion, I want you to think of as trends, things you see on the runway, those like ridiculous gowns you might see on a red carpet and kind of giggle out and be like, oh my God, like people are wearing that. Is that a thing? Like, I want you to think of it as what I call the circus. So if you and I were sitting at a cafe and there was a circus that went by the window and people, there's, there's elephants, there's fringe, there's glitter, there's sequins, like there's cowboys and chaps, like we can watch that and enjoy the show that is fashion parading by. We don't have to participate in it. We still get to sit in our cafe, having a lovely coffee, chatting in our comfortable clothes, whatever that is for us. So fashion is external. It's happening in the outside world. It's trends. It's fads. Style is something altogether different that's personal. And the way I like to define style and the way I redefine it for my clients and the first starting point for the work that we do together is... Style is a reflection of your thoughts and feelings about yourself. Mm. Oh my God. Can you say that again? <laughs> yes. It, it's a tweetable, as some people say, right? Style is the outward reflection of your thoughts and feelings about yourself. That's so good. So this is really about your relationship with yourself. Okay. And so that- pause. I have to say. I will pause. I will pause. <laughs> yeah. Because
0: this is, this is like totally hitting home for me. Okay. So when I was uh still a graduate student and i had my first placement i was working in a hospital and i wasn't feeling really confident i hadn't really stepped into my role as a psychologist and i was showing up kind of sloppy yeah just kind of wearing a t-shirt just not really putting much effort into my appearance and i think it had to do a lot with my level of confidence and i had this woman who was in an informal way kind of mentoring me on the job and she wasn't like totally explicit but she did one day just kind of make some sort of a light mention and it was enough it like she had planted that seed and I was just like bawling I was like oh my god I have to deal with my shit you know (laughs) and then I totally like transformed, I like show up dressed and like I'd have like my jewelry on and like all this stuff and I like tried to really come in looking professional but it was it was such an interesting thing right and I love what you've said because it is about your relationship with yourself and how you project that onto the world is so important because then it affects how other people see you and how they treat you and like it has this ripple effect. So it's, it's not something that we can take lightly.
1: Yeah. And you set the expectation for how you want to be treated.
0: Yes. I mean,
1: like you teach other people how to interact with you and it's subtle. Sometimes it's more obvious, but a lot of it's very subtle. So, and here's what I want to say, because this is a normal natural next objection that I get my friends, which is, this is anti-feminist. We're really smart. Why should we care about this? This is vanity or I'll worry about this later. I have more important things to do. And I honor all of those objections. I hear you, I feel you. <laughs> As a professional woman, I get it. Like, yes, y'all have better things to do. In some cases, like we have mutual doctor clients, like y'all are saving lives for realties. Like that's really what's happening in your world. However, <laughs> it's going to be really hard for you to fully show up the way that you want to, like the doctor you imagine in your head, right? The version of that, that you've really dreamt of is never in her janky ass underwear, her holy t-shirt and her scrubs that are way too tight that you can see her panty line and like it's digging into her armpits. Never do you imagine when you're doing these heroic things, these really important things, are you in the most janky, nasty clothing possible? And it's not like that happens because you made a conscious decision. It's because things became so unconscious for you. Yes, oh, yeah, totally. And it's like happens by default. Like one day you look up and I experienced the same thing. I went through law school in a fog. I <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I had my first major interview with a big law firm. and It was the first time I had to put on like real pants, quote unquote, I had just passed the bar. It was very sick, I was exhausted and my pants didn't fit. My good black pants, which I feel like everyone can universally relate to, my good black pants didn't fit. And then I realized my broad didn't fit and nothing fit. And I had to make a run to Target and then to nothing fit at Target. and so then I had to run to Lane Bright. This is all before my interview was supposed to take place. Like the mad dash panic, sitting on the edge of my bed, crying hysterically because it's like, holy crap, what have I done? Like I literally stopped paying attention to myself. Yeah, That's how these, these things happen, not because you don't care or you sort of just lost touch with yourself somewhere along the way. So to work on your style, I like to think of it as like the conduit to your heart and mind. We're just gonna use style as a tool to help you get reacquainted with yourself. So your insides and your outsides match each other. So many of my clients are incredibly intelligent. They just don't look at the way they feel on the inside. we wanna match those two things up. You're not a brain operating without a body. We gotta reconnect those things. Like. That's what this work comes down to. And we use style as the tool, see sort of the easy access point to ease you into a greater self-discovery, a greater makeover of the kind that lasts all, you know, forever that you can replicate. We start with your clothes. We start with your panties more specifically, but we start with your clothes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is important here as you're, as you're mentioning all this is that we sometimes look at things very black and white, right? So it's either, this like anti-feminist thing because you know the idea is you're coming in in your stilettos and your low top kind of outfit and super tight clothes and we're not saying that but we're also not saying like just don't even put any effort in and come in looking like you're wearing your pajamas right there's got to be something in between those two and it's not about that whole um I should because it means that people will respect me more, but it's more about you respecting yourself. And how would you show up if you really respected yourself? If you had your own back, you would not be showing up in your pajamas. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily show up in stilettos either, but like, what is it for you that helps you feel like you are comfortable in your own skin and are sending out a message that you have arrived.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good. So I think this is sort of like natural segue to the second myth, which is that style is one particular thing. So for some people, style is stilettos and the jewelry and the makeup and fill in the blank. For some of us, style is like my sweet, super white, crisp sneak my favorite joggers, my best fitting t-shirt and a cute bomber jacket. For some of us, it's like Lululemon head to toe. That's how I roll. This is how I show up for the world. Like for each of us, it's going to be completely different, yeah. right? So yeah. style is not one particular thing. For this last round of clients I had, one client was very sold somewhere along the way. And usually it comes from somebody that you admired in your formative years who gives you these ideas that stylish meant she had to wear high heels. She had a significant foot issue that required some surgery, and she has, like, um, screws in some of her toes. Wow. Heels are not a possibility for her anymore. Like, they would cause her such physical pain that it it's just not – it's not possible. And what we worked on together and what was beautiful to kind of see unfolding for her is beauty is not pain. Style is not pain. No pain is required. And this idea I was handed somewhere along the way that heels are what is the checkbox for stylish. Like that's just BS. Somebody told me along the way, right? Like back to what you said, who said, right? Like this is something we could dismantle. Like, style can be comfortable. Style could mean the best, cutest pair of sneakers ever. Style could mean the best pair of stilettos ever. Like, this is going to be different for each and every single woman. I had another client, doctor, owned a huge practice, lots of uh, physicians in, within her practice. I mean, Lady Boss, who was running around in yoga pants that were 11 years old. And it's somewhere along the way, she just stopped looking at herself, stopped caring for herself, stopped paying attention to herself. But her most stylish self is not rocking, like, nice pair of classic trousers. No, we just got her some better leggings to run around in because that's how <laughs> she rolls. Okay. So for each client, it's something different each time. You know, I've had rounds where we just work on pajamas with people. We're just going to up their PJ game. For some, we've got a whole new wardrobe from the ground up. But we meet people where they are. And everybody's journey is going to look a little bit different. And that's okay.
0: So as you're describing these different styles, and and I love the idea that it's not one thing, right? Um, it kind of makes me think of when you go into business for yourself, you have a niche, right? You have something that you're branding yourself as with your business. And I think what you're describing is basically your own personal brand. So there are people who brand themselves as like the yoga clothing type, and that's all they wear. So you always expect to see them in that. And that's cool because that's who they are, right? Like I have a colleague who is a personal trainer. She's always wearing that yoga stuff and it doesn't matter where she's going, right? She's a dancer and she's like into physical fitness and she's doing all these videos. She wears that all the time, but it fits for what she's doing. And then there are other people that are really into jeans or really into just shorts, you know, like especially living in, Florida and places where it's really warm, there are people that just want to rock a number of different shorts and that's all they have in their wardrobe. And that's cool. So I think the idea here is that you make it your own. And I love this idea of, you know, giving yourself permission to find your own style, whatever that means for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is about week four in my program. We literally do what we call personal style statements. And I have a system that I walk everyone through to help define their own personal style statement. And sometimes my clients surprised me because I'm like, okay, where has that chick been? Because I haven't met her yet. Like I one client, um, you know, ER, sir, like doctor, she was in charge of an emergency room and like, I mean, badass decision maker. And she was so like timid with her style, but like, you know, a few weeks in, we got to see more of her. And it was like this, like, rebel, like, badass came from I don't know where. Like, I hadn't encountered her quite yet. And then I got, once we, you know, define her style statement, and it was like badass rebel. And she really stepped into that persona. I mean, it was just so cool like it's like she gave herself a permission slip to show up how she really wanted to show up so we got like doc martens rocking the doc martens with the white lab coat i was like oh yes i'm feeling this chick right like these amazing like badass like you know bracelets and her clothes were just more in line with her and it was just it was beautiful to see that transformation and then i've had clients who like feminine and fierce was one of my clients and rocking Adidas sneakers with like tool skirts, <laughs> like this ballerina skirts, like for every woman I encounter, we get a different flavor of it. And we don't use a traditional paradigms of like you're classic or bohemian or barf, barf, barf. I hate that shit. <laughs> my language. But like we really craft it in a way that that's going to be unique to you, that it evolves with you so that whatever season of life you're in, whatever role you happen to find yourself playing, whether it's doctor or some other role, this can transform with you. You can play with it over time because no, no humans are stagnant. We're all evolving all the time. We're all changing our minds about things all the time. So your style should evolve with you and that's okay. Because remember, it's personal thoughts and feelings outwardly reflected.
0: So would you say that you typically work with people around their style for work and then
1: their style at home or on their days off? it depends. So for during a big part of the pandemic, everybody was in scrubs all the time, like from my doctor clients. So it was really like, what are you flinging off when you walk in the door? Because we got to address those things first. So like if the first thing to go was your shoes, we got to get you new shoes. If the first thing to go was your bra and you were like, Oh, freedom. Okay. We need to get you new bra. So, um, and then it was like your weekend wear if you're not, you know, in clinic, like what what are you wearing? Um, and then sometimes for my clients who work from home, I've had clients who work from home, really like Zoom ready, worthy things. And then we also work on like, okay, if you're going to a conference, what is it just, it kind of depends on where my clients are. Um, but we really meet you where you are. So if you need a whole refresh from the ground up, bras, panties, shoes, the works, we've got you. If you're like, I just need to zhuzh up this particular aspect. Like I had a client who's, you know, head of a hedge fund that's like hundreds of millions of dollars over. And she had a beautiful wardrobe. It was just all really beige and navy blue. Mm-hmm. So we worked on bringing in new life, bright colors, textures, prints, patterns. And she didn't need us to go find her a whole new wardrobe. She had a beautiful wardrobe. We just needed to see more of her reflected in her wardrobe. So I guess the short answer is it depends. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I think that's also a good reminder that sometimes you can work with what you got. You just have to spice it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think in terms of the overall context that we've been talking about, no huge overhaul is required sometimes, my friend. Mm -hmm. Like it could be, you know, building a beautiful wardrobe one item at a time. It could be, you know, playing with the possibility of what your next chapter looks like. Just asking yourself what's possible for me one question at a time. Like. There's a way to like create a transformation very slowly and very deliberately. That's the process.
0: Very cool. So um, you've shared at least one myth or debunked one myth for us. Tell us what else you got up your sleeve.
1: <laughs> There's so much. Um, really, and, and this is the important part that, and, and it goes back to what I say a lot to my clients, like you can dress and love the body you have right now. So one of the myths is that in order to purchase clothing that fits you or that you love, you're required to do something to your body first. Mm. And usually it's within the paradigm of weight loss. I have to lose weight, change my shape, work out, tone up, fill in the blank, <laughs> like whatever the thing is you think you have to do to your body first. So then it's almost like you're earning new clothes, right. you're earning the right to invest in yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's complete BS, my friends. Like
0: that's so true. And you know what that brings to mind is—I'm um, sure you've seen it. There's that show, What Not to Wear. Yes. <laughs> and you see this transformation, right? Where they take the person and they throw out all this stuff that's in their closet because it's just kind of janky. And they go, the person goes shopping, gets a whole new wardrobe, and then at the end of it, they haven't lost any weight, but they look amazing because they've just changed their style right? And they find the things that are a really good fit for them, whether it's like a nice pair of jeans or just comfortable shoes or a blazer or just something simple that gives their like fits with their body shape and their body size and just complements them instead of like, you know, I think a lot of times people just don't understand how style works and what looks good on them. So they'll just get something because it, it feels like, the thing that might be attractive but it may be attractive in how it looks but not necessarily on them yeah
1: yeah I mean I call it ass on fire shopping and I see this a lot from like busy professionals like you only buy something when like you're going to a conference and the conference is happening tomorrow and holy crap ass on fire shopping right or it was like you (laughs) before your interview Right, like before my interview, exactly. Like so many people I talked to you can relate to that or you know, suddenly there's this big meeting that's happening tomorrow and you realize, holy crap, I don't got anything to wear. And you know, or you've gained some weight and you realize everything in your closet doesn't fit you, but you have to go to this thing that's coming up. So you do ass on fire shopping and like literally, does it kind of sort of fit? Okay, good enough for now, let's roll, which gets you in a pinch, I totally understand. But do that enough times you have a wardrobe full of stuff that you secretly hate that you don't want to wear and kind of uh, sort of maybe fits. And it only happens to fit your body. It doesn't even fit your lifestyle or your personal style. Like it just sort of happens to maybe kind of fit your body. And that's how we get wardrobes that we hate. That's why we end up with so many clothes that I never wear. I hear this a lot from my clients.
0: Or because they you- buy it because it's on sale, right? Right. You're compelled <laughs> to like get it because it's a good deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I have a lot of, you know, sometimes my professional clients, they use shopping as a way to manage their emotions. Yes, yes. (laughs) So they're just purchasing stuff for the sake of purchasing it. So so I have a lot of clients who end up with a lot of shoes or a lot of handbags or a lot of jewelry because they don't have to worry about how it fits. They're just buying stuff for the sake of buying it. So a big part of it is like, okay, what if nothing had to change about your body? We could buy you clothes you actually love, but we're going to be way more thoughtful and intentional about it so that we're building a wardrobe that you can get multiple outfits out of without having, you know, to do this, you know, major overhaul or no more ass on fire shopping and no more buffering with clothing purchases to manage your emotions.
0: Yeah, so important.
1: All right. And then
0: one final myth for us.
1: Yes. Okay. So here's what I really just want you all to like sit with me on. And this is something you're just going to ponder on later. Just because your mama or grandma told you something about beauty or style when you were younger doesn't make it true. So insert important figure in your life who told you style advice or beauty advice. I really want you to think about that from a new lens. And here's some things I commonly hear that you think is like a truism just because it's been thrown around so much, but it's actually not true. So, you know, quippy things like, you know, dress to (laughs) cover your flaws. You don't have any flaws that need covering. You know if there was a comment made about the size of your breasts when you were younger whether they were too big or too small and you have to sort of dress to accommodate whatever that perceived flaw is there were never any flaws everything's just right you know apple or pear but it's it's better to be an apple okay you're not fruit like that doesn't even make like you're not fruit friends like you're not an apple you're not a pear you're not an hourglass you're a human So like just these little quippy things that you heard your whole life, and I've heard all kinds of versions of these, like funny and not funny. Some of them like wearing red lipstick makes you a hoe. You can't wear blue eyeshadow, only hookers do. You have to carry a purse or you're a prostitute, like any number of crazy things that well-meaning mothers and grandmothers and aunties tell people (laughs) when they're younger. I want you to rethink all of it just because you heard it when you were younger and you even say it yourself now. So like just rolls off the tongue. I want you to reevaluate all of that.
0: So what I love to do is take some of these tips that you've shared with us here, because I think they are really important for what you do in terms of styling people. But I also think there's such an overlap with the work that I do in the land of burnout And so I'd love to just leave people with this note that no huge overhaul is required, your words. And I think that's so true for people who are now trying to figure out if what they were doing the way that they were engaging with their work wasn't working for them, that maybe rather than completely throwing everything out, you know, to the garbage, like that they maybe start small. Right. And that's, the kind of conversation I was having with my client of like, maybe what you're doing right now is a couple of ranks lower down the ladder, but this is where you need to be right now. And that's okay. And you don't need to completely reinvent yourself or figure it out. Right. So I think that's one big thing. I love your whole idea about being more thoughtful and intentional, because I think so much of the time, especially when we face stress, we become really reactive and Your term for that is ass on fire, which I thought is actually perfect for burnout, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so perfect. Oh my gosh,
0: that's awesome. (laughs) Right? And lastly, this whole idea about what you just said about what grandma said to you and these ideas, this is kind of how we started the show. We talked about how sometimes we end up in our profession because somebody else said that we should right? And that this is our programming. And instead of just following the expectations that you tune into yourself, whether it's with style or your career or anything else, and give yourself permission to do the thing that's the right thing for you.
1: Yeah. Ah, so good. Yeah. And it all intermeshes, right? Like how we do one thing is how we tend to do a lot of things. Yes. So it shows up everywhere, friends, in your panty drawer, at work, all the places.
0: Now, I know that the work that you do goes way beyond what you've shared today. So, if people are intrigued and they want more of you, Judith, where can they go?
1: Yeah, you can. I have a podcast, um, really short, very actionable episodes called Style Masterclass. And if you want to maybe start your style journey, kind of kickstart it, you can get my um, Bye Bye Janky Bras and Undies Guide. It's just a really quick way to get the styles started. Um, And you can get that at judithgatan.com forward slash doctors.
0: Wonderful. So I will have that link in the show notes. Any other last tidbits you want to leave us with, Judith?
1: Yeah. I mean, really, really. (laughs) I just love that the analogy, the ass on fire to burnout. Like my friends, we we can put that fire out, even just like a glass of water at a time. Take this slow, give yourself grace. You've done enough hustle for a long time. Now it's time to do something a little differently.
0: Love it. So again, I love this kind of new blood that these uh, guests that I bring on that are experts in their fields bring to the world of burnout, because I think everything, as you said, Judith, is interrelated. Um, If you're listening to this, and you're loving what you hear, please help me spread the message that it's really important for us to understand burnout, and what leads us to burnout in the first place, and not just figure out how to get back on our feet. And you can do that by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review and telling us what you like about the show or what you think we can do better or different. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, please leave me a comment. I read all of them. And I'd love to hear from you about what you're looking for in future episodes. Also, if you know anybody who's struggling with burnout, please recommend the show to them. We're here to provide value and lots of original content. So um, love having everybody here. Looking forward to seeing you back again next week. Take care.